You're listening to the Course Report Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Course Report is the most complete resource for coding boot camps. On our site, we have thousands of reviews, hundreds of interviews, and a full directory of every coding boot camp around the world. On our podcast, we're sharing everything you need to stay up to date on this blossoming industry. Whether you're a boot camp founder or a future student, we hope you'll learn something on the Course Report Podcast. Welcome everyone to the Coding Bootcamp News Roundup. It is May 2018 and I'm Liz. I'm Imogen. And I'm Lauren. And we read a lot of news this month about coding boot camps. There was a ton. So we chose the most interesting pieces and we are rounding it all up for you over the next half hour. And as always, we will publish this roundup on our blog and we'll link to all of the articles that we talk about here. Uh, and if you haven't subscribed to our newsletter, go to coursereport.com, subscribe, and we will let you know when we publish future episodes. So Imogen and Lauren, what are we going to talk about today? So we're going to start with a very interesting acquisition, and then we'll share the stories of some successful alumni and the bootcamp founders that are running these schools. We'll touch on a few partnerships between bootcamps and companies, and we'll talk about the role of bootcamps in the future of education. And of course, we're going to chat about diversity initiatives in bootcamps, and we'll round up the new schools, courses, and campuses that we added to Course Report in May. And we'll finish with our favorite articles to write for the Course Report blog. So as I mentioned this month, we have got another major acquisition and a fundraise. We've been seeing a lot of acquisitions lately. Last month, we saw Thinkful acquire Block for an undisclosed amount, and then Adeco acquired General Assembly for $413 million. So Liz, which school was acquired in May and by whom? Yeah, so WeWork announced that they have acquired Mission U. Remember, just a few months ago, WeWork acquired Flatiron School. So this is clearly a very intentional expansion of their education arm. Mission U, uh, for those of you who don't know, is a one-year boot camp. They teach data analytics and other technical skills. And WeWork says that Mission U is actually going to be a part of WeGrow, which includes their preschool. Um, Flatiron School is not part of WeGrow. So that's a little difference between the two. And um, did they say how much they paid for Mission U? No, like the Flatiron School acquisition, WeWork did not disclose the financials. Um, according to Axios, a source says that it's an all-stock deal, uh, and Mission U has raised $11.5 million in total funding since they started. Lauren, any other big news in fundraises this month? Yeah, IC Stars received $100,000 in funding from the KeyBank Business Boost and Build program powered by Jumpstart. So they're going to use this grant to increase the capacity of their boot camps, dig- digital literacy, and minority business owner workshops within Columbus, Ohio. Well, that's awesome for the industry. Two great indicators that uh, the bootcamp industry is doing well. But let's take a minute to talk about a few individual success stories. It seems like we read more of these in May than usual, right? Um, Imogen, do you want to tell us about the founder of HipCamp? Yeah, so Forbes profiled the dev bootcamp grad Alyssa Rivasio, who founded HipCamp, a camping app which allows users to book public and private land for camping. According to the article, Alyssa came up with the idea for the app while camping and attended dev bootcamp especially so she could build HipCamp. Since launching the company in 2014, the app now lists 285,000 sites across the U.S. 
She talked to Forbes about what it's like to be a female entrepreneur in a male-dominated industry and how she makes sure to surround herself with people who believe in her. Cool. Alyssa is close to my heart because she was one of the first dev bootcamp grabs that, that I interviewed for Course Report, which was years ago. Um, so it's been really fun to watch her grow. Go, Alyssa. Oh, wow. That's great, Liz. So Hypopotamus profiled two digital crafts grads in their career journeys, which were some cool stories. So Ashley Parker saw the technology gaps within the child welfare system that often created inefficiencies and slowed down essential paperwork. So she chose to learn how to code to improve the social work sector. And then Robbie Ackerley, who was a former journalist, was actually really intrigued by the tech sector and decided to make a switch. He actually built an app that recommends beers based off of your book preferences, which is kind of (laughs) cool. Yeah, I wonder what the logic is there. Like, right. Read a ton of memoirs or like if I read a ton of Fifty Shades of Grey, what kind of beer (laughs) am I going to (laughs) drink? Well, our friend Kay, who was one of our first friends at WeWork, uh, has his own podcast called Rad Awakenings. And he interviewed a former San Quentin prison inmate named uh, Chris Schumacher. Chris went through the last mile coding course while he was in prison. And he's now uh, obviously out and has built and launched a successful fitness app. It's a really cool story, a very inspiring episode um, of, of Kay's podcast. But it also just gave a really great inside look at the last mile coding course because we've read about it a lot, but nice to hear somebody's actually been through it. Yeah. And actually one thing I noticed when I was looking at that piece is they have to learn to code without access to the internet Absolutely. in prison. Isn't yeah. that crazy? It's really nuts. Yeah. I, I don't know. believe that. Have y'all listened to the podcast Ear Hustle? No. No. It's, it's amazing. It's also, it's a podcast at, made and produced by the inmates at San Quentin. Wow. San Quentin does a lot of really cool stuff. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, so they have to do everything without like actual access to the internet, which is insane. amazing. Yeah, yeah, I just can't imagine that at all. Very interesting obstacle to overcome. And then a number of publications profiled tech elevator grads in May. Cleveland.com profiled tech elevator grad Rosemary Krismanich, who started a new career at age 61 and now works as a developer at Progressive. Neither of her previous careers as a journalist and as a medical technician had good retirement plans, so she realized she needed to keep working to cover her expenses. But she actually really loves her job, and she wishes she had trained as a developer 20 years ago. And then WCPO profiled Mary Rachel Brown, who studied psychology at college but realized she didn't want to do that for a career, so now she is enrolled at Tech Elevator. Um, And then one more article about Tech Elevator was in Trib Live, which was looking at the new Tech Elevator Pittsburgh campus and how that is capitalizing on the huge demand for software developers in the region. Lots of Tech Elevator news. And Vador did an interview with Drew Magliozzi, who graduated from Hack Reactor, and he's now the CEO and co-founder at AdmitHub. Uh, this is a nice article. They talk about how AI and chatbots can help streamline higher education. Uh, so kind of a full circle there. And then Savannah now profiles two recent grads, Josh and Jennifer, about their experience in the 24-week part-time Georgia Tech Savannah coding bootcamp. Both of those students built final project apps to solve problems from their previous careers. Um, inspired by his role as a bartender and a server, Josh built a business development app to keep track of inventory. And former teacher Jennifer built a time management tool for students. And now both grads plan to show employers their apps while interviewing. 
Very nice. So DC Inno profiled a New York Code and Design Academy grad, Matt Watchkin, who went from public relations to codings. And actually, two weeks after graduating from the boot camp, he landed a job at Hatch Apps as a front-end developer. Matt talks about how his communication skills have come in handy um, in his new life as a developer. And I really liked this quote. He says, as a front-end developer, you have to put yourself in the audience's position and figure out how users are interacting with your products and how people are thinking. Employers don't want to see a robot who can code. They want someone who can be a human being to make a project successful. So true. Such good advice. And the Times Free Press profiled Bella Gayton, who won a Google scholarship to do a Udacity Nano degree. Uh, this was right after she was diagnosed with MS, multiple sclerosis. Uh, Bella says that the Nano degree program has a super diverse crowd. She's doing it now. And although she's obviously physically affected by MS, her mantra is, whatever you believe is what you'll become. So good that's, luck to Bella. That's lovely. So we've heard about the students, but who are the people behind the boot camp? Who actually starts these programs to help people switch careers? We've read a number of boot camp founder profiles in May. So Imogen, tell us about the founders of Momentum Learning. Yeah, so WRAL TechWire published a series of articles and a podcast interview spotlighting Momentum Learning Coding Bootcamp in North Carolina. Um, their Tech on Tap podcast interviewed Momentum co-founder Jessica Mitch, who won Best Female Newcomer at Startup Grind Triangle. And here's a clip from the interview where she talks about why she started Momentum after her former employer, The Iron Yard, closed down. It's amazing. So uh, when The Iron Yard announced closure, it was kind of an obvious next step to make sure, you know, the, the first thing that we wanted to do was make sure that it, this education continued going in the area. We still feel like four years in, we're still really at the, the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more opportunity. Um, and so we weren't quite sure exactly what that looked like until, well, I wasn't quite sure until Clinton and I got together to talk about the fact the Iron Yard was closing and we both kind of grinned and we're like, all right, we're going to do this. <laughs> we're going to keep it going and we'll start a company. Jessica also announced during the interview that Momentum is offering a money-back guarantee if students do not find a job within six months. And Norwalk Daily Voice profiled Crash Code, a Stanford-based nonprofit coding boot camp looking to up the digital literacy quotient of Fairfield County. Founder and managing director Michael McClure is a self-taught developer, but he realized that it's not as easy to learn on your own, so he wanted to create a course with more support. He quotes, when you write your first line of code, it opens up your mind and you think, I can do this. People shouldn't be daunted by it. Well, we've definitely talked about Audrey Chang before, right? She's the founder of Moringa School in Kenya. Um, but OZY did a great profile of Audrey in May. Things that I learned about Audrey, she started Moringa in 2014. And now three years later, Moringa has 600 alumni a 95% employment rate, and their average percent salary increase after graduation is 360%. So pretty impressive. And next up, they're going to launch a campus in Uganda. Uh, and World Bank has chosen Moringa School to be the uh, Middle East Africa location for its study on the effectiveness of coding boot camps in emerging markets. Can't wait to see that. Um, and they're also launching a cybersecurity course. VPR News and Vermont Biz both gave updates on Burlington Code Academy and profiled their founders. So the founding team, Benny Boas, Alex Horner, and Alex Schaffe, united their skills and experience in tech. 
to teach um, a 12-week intensive coding boot camp, which starts June 4th and ends August 24th in Burlington, Vermont. Here's a quote from one of the founders. He says, I realized the issues that this boot camp would solve, creating more developers, was a problem that I was facing directly. And I thought, man, if this is affecting me on such a level, it must be much bigger than just my problem. We hear that kind of motivation from so many founders who like face the lack of um, like diversity in tech or just the lack of uh, developers in the industry uh, and are starting boot camps to kind of address those things. Cool. Yeah. And then as tech companies realize the importance of keeping their employees' skills fresh and upskilling communities to fill the demand, more and more of them are partnering with coding bootcamps. So Liz, tell us about one of Facebook's latest partnerships. Right. So Facebook recently announced the Community Boost initiative. They're giving out full scholarships to certain coding boot camps in specific cities around the U.S., like St. Louis and Houston. And according to the Santa Fe New Mexican, the newest partnership is in Albuquerque. So they're giving away 32 full scholarships for the Deep Dive Coding Boot Camp. And then they're working with Central New Mexico Community College to develop a digital marketing certificate program. Go Facebook. Nice. Well, in Houston, the Houston Mayor Sylvester Turner announced that the city of Houston is partnering with Microsoft to create the nation's first Internet of Things alliance. The Houston Microsoft Alliance will adopt five communities where there will be a focus on giving people the STEM skills needed to develop careers in a digital world. Also, NYC-based Flatiron School is opening in downtown Houston and offering scholarships in cooperation with Facebook and the Houston Urban League. BP is sending engineers to 12-week coding boot camps as part of a move to automate more aspects of the oil industry. Um, this article in Hellenic Shipping News didn't actually mention which boot camp they were going to, but it said that field engineers are retraining to gain the skills to program those automated processes to be even more efficient. And using digitization, big data, and analytics, BP has already reduced production costs by 22%. Irish Tech News announced Engineers Ireland and Code Institute have teamed up to offer engineers a chance to accelerate their IT abilities. So Code Institute's Diploma in Tech Fundamentals will now be available from the Engineers Ireland's web portal, and prices have been reduced by 100 euros for members of Engineers Ireland who wish to upskill. And then European coding bootcamp provider Le Wagon is teaming up with Naked Hub co-working spaces, following in the footsteps of WeWork, who has now bought two coding bootcamps. The partnership between Le Wagon and Naked Hub allows Le Wagon students to use the co-working spaces and network with the Naked Hub community, many members of which are already in need of technical workers. Le Wagon will also run tech workshops for Naked Hub members where they can upskill on various tech skills. Incredible. Those are all pretty amazing case studies. And obviously, we can see that boot camps are maturing and kind of manifesting in different ways through different partnerships. So it's a very interesting evolution. And as the demand for developers continues to rise, the need for efficient and flexible training obviously increases with that. Uh, so these next few stories are evidence that boot camps can fill that role. Lauren, what do we've got? 
So Matt Glotzbach of Exconomy had an opinion piece looking at why short courses like boot camps are the way of the future. And he states, the future of work is changing almost as fast as technology is advancing. So the tools and technology being utilized in jobs today could be obsolete by the time that graduates are coming out in 2025 and entering the workforce. The only way to stay competitive, no matter what field you're in, is to learn continuously. So this was a really quick overview of why short classes are beneficial. And I think it was a, a really Really good piece. Yeah, and then similarly, Bloomberg Bureau of National Affairs looks at how organizations are struggling to find tech talent and why these new learning approaches like boot camps are needed for new color jobs, like coding jobs. Um, reporter Lamy Vaitkus looks at how reliance on people having degrees is part of the hiring problem and suggests that companies should embrace candidates with vocational training or re- retrain existing employees. The article mentions boot camps like WinCode, which provide training and hiring opportunities and also will do in-house training. And Forbes contributor Tom Vanderark looks at how tech companies are looking for applicants to demonstrate their skills rather than show GPAs and test scores and kind of these traditional indicators. He explores what, quote, show what you know education would look like and says, quote, In dynamic job categories, including IT, hiring is increasingly based on demonstrated skills, portfolio of referenced work, for example, rather than uh, transcripts and grades. Learning in these rapidly evolving fields is often online or blended, modular, and delivered in quick sprints in new formats like coding boot camps or nano degrees. If the world is heading towards demonstrated competency over traditional pedigrees, uh, what does this mean for traditional education? Stefan Paleos of Betakit looked at the Canadian tech scene and how employers require good developers who know how to code and have good people skills. So with an increase of focus on employee belonging, employee experience, and working in agile teams, technical leaders across Canada want to hire people who have soft skills. Um, one skill that an experienced industry developer shared in this piece was that it's important to be empathetic to clients and users, especially in situations where someone doesn't know what they want or doesn't know how to build the solution that they need. And then a guest post in EdSurge looked at the rise in focus on, quote, developing talent when it comes to post-secondary education. Columnist Sean Gallagher, who works in strategy at Northeastern University, looks at how 80% of middle skill jobs require digital skills and how companies should think about skills-based hiring rather than college credential hiring. He also looks at how the acquisition of General Assembly by a human resources firm shows the role that training will play as part of recruitment and how coding boot camps are starting to get access to federal funds as the government realizes their importance to the economy. And talking about General Assembly, the EdTech Times podcast talked to General Assembly's VP of External Affairs, Liz Simon, about how the bootcamp prepares adults for the next step in their careers and whether or not a program like GA needs to be accredited. That's definitely a great listen. And on May 22nd, the next web hosted basically an AMA and Ask Me Anything with Jeff from Turing, Adam and Avi from Flatiron School. Paul Fain from Inside Higher Ed, he writes about boot camps all the time, and Sarah Chips from Girl Develop It. The subject was, should everyone learn to code? Uh, and now that AMA is up on their site, we'll post a link to it. There are, just to be totally upfront, a lot of questions and answers. So it's a bit hard to digest, but they touch on some really interesting topics, burnout, oversaturation in the market. Um, so check it out if you have time. 
And then I read a couple of articles about coding boot camps and robots. A guest post in Entrepreneur by Redwood Software President Dennis Walsh looks at the rise of robotics in business operations and how organizations like coding boot camps can help prepare workers for this looming shift. Then an article in Daily Camera talks to galvanized coding bootcamp students in Boulder who are actually experimenting with programming personal robots, and they have been teaching them to speak in different languages. As bootcamps are solidifying their place in the tech talent pipeline, they are also embracing responsibility to make the tech industry as diverse as possible. Liz, do you want to tell us about a General Assembly grad? Yeah, Jack Center interviewed a General Assembly grad, Charlie Gerard. She's now a software developer at ThoughtWorks in Sydney, Australia. And she talks about why she got into tech and why gender diversity is still an issue in tech. Charlie points out that, quote, even if women decided to work as developers because they are passionate, qualified, motivated, etc., they're still sometimes treated like, quote, diversity hires and have to work a lot harder to convince people that they have the skills. That can be exhausting and results in women leaving the field. I thought that was really insightful and uh, kind of points to why women can get into tech, but then can leave, you know, soon after entering the field. Yeah, that's really interesting. This next article covers similar information. Uh, it's an article in Princeton Alumni Weekly, which looks at sexism in Silicon Valley. The reporter talked to female professors about why there's a lack of women wanting to study computer science. And then the article mentions a female Princeton grad who actually didn't major in computer science because she assumed she wouldn't like computers just because she'd come across that male stereotype. But after working as a mechanical engineer for a while, she wanted to get into tech. And so she enrolled at Hackbright Academy and got a job at Eventbrite when she graduated. That's amazing. Eventbrite hires a bunch of Hackbright grads, right? Yeah. Very cool. And on a, a more positive note in terms of diversity in tech, Document Journal interviewed two innovative women in tech, Farishta Farrow, who is the founder of Code to Inspire, the first coding school for girls in Afghanistan, and Barbara Liskoff, one of the first women in the United States to earn a PhD in computer science. This piece wanted to see how they got into tech and why it's important for women to be a part of the industry. And it's a really insightful interview discussing the power of code and how to advance women in the tech sector. And I'm really highlighting these two women as being leaders within the diversity in tech conversation. And of course, scholarships and flexible payment models can help boost diversity. And Fox Detroit reported that the Michigan Council of Women in Technology is going to offer 10 women scholarships at Grand Circus. Those are called Develop Her Scholarships, and they are accepting applications now. Yeah, and then the Women in Technology Hollywood branch is donating 100% of proceeds from their Leadership Awards Summit to code education organizations like the Coding Bootcamp at UCLA Extension, DIY Girls, St. Joseph Center Code Talk, STEAM, Coders, and STEM Advantage. Very neat. BusinessWire announced that Coding Bootcamps Recoded and Refugees Code have actually been selected for the Miller Center Social Entrepreneurship at the Margins course, which is offered by the Global Social Benefit Institute Online Accelerator Program. So basically, this program is focused on social enterprises serving migrants, um, refugees, and human trafficking survivors around the world, and each social enterprise will be accompanied by two Silicon Valley executive mentors through a structured curriculum that will help them be able to scale and grow their impact. That sounds like a really interesting model. I have not heard of that before. Very cool. 
And then Entrepreneur did a really nice deep dive into veterans transitioning into coding. They profile three military veterans. I suggest you read this entire article. It's a really nice human interest piece. But I wanted to shout out a couple of organizations that I learned about from this article, Operation Code, which we've known and loved for a while, and the Honor Foundation, which I had not heard of before, but which serves the top 1% of veterans all over the world and helps them land positions in tech and business. I think, you know, that might seem kind of weird to help like the most successful people in service, but they say that the most decorated veterans are often the ones who have the hardest time finding a place in civilian life, which uh, was surprising to me, but was really interesting to learn. And the entrepreneur article also gives great advice for veterans. I'll sum it up here, but you should read the whole thing. They say, translate the skills on your resume, attend meetups, arrange one-on-one meetings, look for advocates on the inside, and attend code school. Great advice. That's all great advice. And I I never knew that about the successful veterans having trouble transitioning. That's so Me neither. Yeah. And then on the same note, actually, and, and, I, and good news for veterans, Devly Coding Bootcamp in Hawaii has been approved to accept GI Bill educational benefits. The Pacific Business News reports that it took two years for the boot camp to get this approval, which will now allow veterans to use the GI Bill for their JavaScript web engineer course. Also on that note, BizJournals reported that Miami-based coding bootcamp WinCode is expanding their deferred tuition financing to their 10-week web development program to expand accessibility to a wider audience. WinCode has also launched WinTalent, a new corporate consulting arm connecting companies with junior and senior level technology workers to help solve technical problems and lead product development projects. Interesting. WinCode is doing WinTalent. They've got their new like corporate training arm, deferred tuition. They've got a lot going on. Yeah. And that, it's always great to hear about more boot camps offering deferred tuition because it really does open up that opportunity for many more people. So this month we heard about a lot of new schools, new campuses, new curricula, and one coding bootcamp is actually back after a brief hiatus. So Lauren, tell us about the new school in North Carolina. Sure. So Carolina Code School launched a 12-week course in Greenville, North Carolina on May 14th. The full stack curriculum was developed with the help of employers in the area and students will receive one-on-one support from instructors who are experienced within the tech industry. And blockchain is obviously hot right now. Lighthouse Labs is launching a 12-week blockchain bootcamp. And WinCode spoke with Business Insider in May about the demand for blockchain developers. Uh, their founder, Juha Mikola, said that some developers from WinCode are being paid double the going rate if they have blockchain experience. Not bad. Yeah, I think that's really smart of Lighthouse Labs to launch that blockchain. For sure. Blockchain is such a buzzword right now. Everyone wants to know about it. And then the Seattle Times reports that the University of Washington Continuum College is launching a 24-week part-time coding bootcamp in partnership with Trilogy Education, which is an organization which runs around 30 coding bootcamps at various universities around the country. And interestingly, talking about Trilogy, Inside Higher Ed and Education Dive profiled Trilogy Education in May. The articles look at how students felt blindsided when they realized that the program instruction at the university they were at was outsourced rather than being run by the host university. 
The articles also mention that Trilogy boot camps do not release their outcomes data, unlike many other boot camps, and quotes the founders of Thinkful and Sabio as saying that Trilogy needs to start releasing that data. Liz is mentioned in this article, talking about how other organizations like the Software Guild also partner with universities. Yeah, we've heard a lot of like great things about Trilogy from alumni, but mm. it is totally true that data around student outcomes is super important and bootcamps should probably be releasing that. Yeah. Well, Mexico Private Education Institute Tecnologico de Monterrey has launched an online coding bootcamp taught in English. The new course is a live online full stack flex program with a part-time schedule of about 10 to 12 hours per week designed to give students skills to become full stack web developers in just 24 weeks. And Mind Minds, the bootcamp for coal miners transitioning into tech, appears to be back. The Williamson Daily News looks at how the free bootcamp is offering courses again in Logan County, West Virginia, beginning this summer. And then BrainStation Coding Bootcamp is launching a data science program. The program is first going to be available in Toronto and Vancouver, and then they're going to be launching it online in fall. And I actually chatted with their lead instructor who told me all about the program and how they're going to be teaching mainly Python, but also some R. And they're really excited to be able to fill that demand for data scientists in North America. London fintech startup Revolut, which recently reached unicorn status with a $1.7 billion valuation, is launching a free six to eight week coding class for interested women at its new head office in Canary Wharf, basically to improve diversity in the tech industry. Nikolai Storonsky, who is the founder and CEO of Revolut, says, while a lot of tech companies talk a good game about how important gender balance is to them, we've identified our own imbalance within our engineering teams and are taking action ourselves to help tackle the issue. So I think it's really great that they've taken that initiative to, you know, really help train their employees, specifically women. Yeah, I actually sent that link to my cousin who lives in London because I thought she might be interested in, in learning a bit of coding. Cool. Well, according to iNews, Apple's one-year developer academy in Naples is accepting applications for its next cohort. That course is free and students are actually supported with living costs, which is cool. We've been talking about that Apple academy in our podcast for years since they open. They get a lot of press and the academy has now trained about a thousand students since they opened in October 2016. They're also now opening a developer academy in Indonesia. And according to USA Today, Apple is making its Swift Playgrounds app, uh, which is a kind of learn to code with Swift app, trying to make it more accessible to people who are deaf or visually impaired. And Lauren, you added a bunch of new schools to our directory in May. Do you want to tell us about them? Of course. So we have UW Coding Bootcamp in Seattle, Washington, Hacker Paradise Code Remote in Bali, Indonesia. Codebase in Savannah, Georgia, IE Data Science Bootcamp in Madrid, Spain. We have Promotable, which has campuses in Chicago, Illinois, Washington, D.C., San Francisco, California, and Singapore, Malaysia. Then we have Techno Bootcamp in Montreal, Canada, ProCoders in West Yorkshire, England, and online, and then Mission U, which is in San Francisco. Fantastic. Well, welcome to Course Report, all of those schools. Um, all right. Well, let's wrap it up by talking about our favorite pieces to publish on the Course Report blog. Lauren, what was your favorite piece to do in May? 
I love chatting with a Dead Mountain alum. His name is Sterling Chen, and he talked about his transition from a facilities and vendor manager to becoming a developer. So Sterling wanted to provide for his wife and two young children, and he talked about how he overcame feelings of anxiety, depression, and imposter syndrome to land a job at a startup for three months after graduation, and then as a front-end developer at Overstock. Dot com, which is the biggest tech company in Utah. So that was a really great Q&A. So definitely check that out. Such a realistic and like upfront kind of forthcoming trajectory because it's not always just super easy to like go to a coding boot camp and then graduate and get right. your dream job. He like mm-hmm. actually struggled with it and then like got an internship and has kind of parlayed all of that into this awesome job at Overstock. Really cool. Congrats, Sterling. Yeah, that is a great one. And Imogen, what was your favorite piece to publish this month? I really enjoyed interviewing Manisha Patel, who is a Hackbright grad who now works at Reddit. Her background was in fine arts and she worked in project management at Apple, but she was always fascinated by her co-workers who were engineers. She loved her experience at Hackbright. She told me how it just like, she loved working in that all women environment. And now she's working alongside other Hackbright grads at Reddit. And she says that Reddit's actually a company which is really committed to diversity and inclusion. And they're actually partnering with Hackbright now to offer a scholarship to get more women into tech. Amazing. And then Liz, what was your favorite piece this month? Well, at the beginning of May, I got to put together this guide to Swift, the iOS programming language. And I used Andrew Madsen as an expert. He's an instructor at Lambda School, and they're about to launch their iOS major. uh, And they're definitely going to teach Swift. He's super smart. He actually, uh, their team contributed to the Apple like Swift curriculum. So they're totally on top of it. And now that Swift has been out for a few years, I think it's just a really nice update on the language. We talk about if you should be learning it, why you should be learning it, and how to get started. Yeah, that was a really great piece. I learned so much about Swift. Yay. Well, thank you for tuning in. As always, you know we love feedback, so please email us at hello at coursereport.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please help other future boot campers find it by going to iTunes, subscribing to the Course Report podcast, and leaving us a review. And we will see you in June. Bye. Bye.